0: Welcome to Talking Late Night, where we spotlight top comedians and their late night influences. Here's your host, Max Cantor.
1: Hey everybody and welcome to Talking Late Night. I'm your host, Max Cantor, and today on the show I have uh, I have an L.A.-based stand-up comedian. Uh, she is amazing. She's from Winnipeg, Canada, um, and she's also opened for Maria Bamford. She was a finalist for Sirius XM's Canada's Next Top Comic, and she's also appeared in content for not only BuzzFeed, not only Cracked, but the Eric Andre show as well. So please welcome to the show, Christine Medrano. Welcome to the show, Christine.
0: Oh my God, thank you so much for having me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, You know, you are my second... Second Canadian guest I've had. The other is uh, Kevin McDonald from Kids in the Hall. Oh,
0: I feel like I hope we live up to um, like our reputation of being just like a nice
1: people. <laughs> <laughs> you you know why do you think why why do you think that's a, a reputation by Canadians to be nice people?
0: Um, because it's so cold up there. Like, like, why be mad? When, you know what I mean. People go like cuddle close to. I don't know. I think it just kind of like part of the culture of being Canadian, like, the, my whole town, my whole province is, like, license-based, friendly Manitoba, like, we're just known to be friendly.
1: Oh, so, so you Weird. were, so, so you were saying, because it's so cold, uh, you think that, that impacts people wanting to be nice?
0: I think so, I mean, I mean, it's easy to be a dick when you're, when you're cold but maybe it's a little harder to be nice and a little more pleasant when you are that's, you know what i mean like nothing can warm you up like maybe someone's good out
1: of you yeah I'm, I'm,
0: i don't know maybe it would be an idealist
1: no i think you're right because i think in when it's hot outside like you feel more aggressive but when you're cold maybe you're nicer that's why canadian I mean, we will we'll go with that we'll go with that that's why canadians <laughs> are so nice is because it's so cold so growing up in canada um what were some like, late-night or television influences that influenced you and your comedy?
0: I'm definitely like Conan O'Brien and Jay Leno, kind of like all of the people who were on television when I was growing up. But another thing that really influenced me, but I didn't think about it until I was like older, and I'm like, oh, that's why I love that. I used to really love award shows, right? And I would take them. I'd walk, go back and watch them. And I figured out later on why I love award shows. Because award shows are all hosted by comedians. And so my favorite part of the award show was always like the monologues where they were busting jokes. And so I kind of like, I feel like award show comedy and like the comedians that hosted award shows really impacted me or like had an influence of like me, not knowing that I wanted to do stand-up yet, but like knowing that I loved that part of, of an award show but to me it's like it's, but it's stand-up if you look at it it's stand-up mm-hmm. and so i think that kind of impacted me or like maybe buried in my brain that i wanted to do that and like i don't know it's just so fun watching comedians on award shows that was always my favorite part
1: so out of all the award shows that you watched uh what was your favorite one
0: I remember one year, that been not age me, but Ellen DeGeneres hosted the Grammys and I loved it. I just remember she <laughs> had this one joke with like a booty slap. A booty, it was like so long ago, but that, and then I remember Jeff Foxworthy hosting, I think it was like the Oscars or something. Um, but, I, the, but the Ellen one definitely struck out to me. Uh, I remember that and watched that, and just being like so like amazed at how funny she was um, mm-hmm. during that time.
1: Mhm. Is, is it weird what, what was it weird for you growing up in Canada that the, like the top comedians that were influencing you were all American or did you have Canadian comedians that were influencing you as well?
0: I think it was more just television. Like what was on t- like I also was a huge Seinfeld mm-hmm. fan. Huge. Mm-hmm. I remember being like in elementary school like watching every single episode of Seinfeld and worshiping it. And I think it's kind of like you have American television and even though you're in Canada and you think that maybe Canada has its own television, which is true, it does. But even back then, I think it was way less than it is now. Maybe there wasn't as strong of an industry that there is now in Canada for television and stand-up. And so a lot of the television that you're watching growing up in Canada is American. And so you can't kind of escape the American influence. And also I think that just like, I mean, and right now too, especially back then, I think that like Canada, America just has such a strong thriving stand up scene. Nothing that like Canada doesn't, but it just kind of like it's dwarfed in, in comparison to the American size of the scene, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were saying yeah. you were watching like uh, the monologues and the stand up comedians. In, in in that moment that Young of a age, did you know that you were like, okay, I want to do that, I, whatever it is, that's what I want to do, or did it take you a while to figure it out?
0: No, not at all. It took me a very long time to figure it out. It actually, I don't tell the story, but I love it so much. Um, when I, I was always like a funny kid, um, and when I was in grade seven or eight, we had this, I had this one teacher whose name was Mr. Bohemia. And he, it was like the end of grade eight and junior high, so he took us to a park to write a list of a hundred things that we wanted to do in our lives. We kind of all went out, spread out throughout the park, and he was like walking around, coming over, talking to each of us. He came over to me, and I'm putting together my list of like things I wanted to do in my life, and he he says to me, he's like, put down stand-up comedy. And I remember being like, really? No, I don't see that for myself at all. And I put it down kind of like not thinking that I would ever do this thing. It just seems so scary. I don't think, like I knew I loved comedy. Like I was obsessed with SNL and like late night, but I was never, i never thought that I would do stand Up in particular. And so I guess that idea of him putting, telling me to put this thing down on my list of me kind of cracking jokes over the year, I'm buried in the back like I planted a seed in my head that I don't think I realized until I was like, had moved to LA living here for some time that I was like I'm gonna try stand-up and so it was a long road of me just kind of like being a stand-up fan um and then it was also before I even started stand-up I remember I had auditioned for like the CBS diversity showcase this was a year a few years before I wrote for it but um and I I had to like put together like a five minute stand-up routine and I remember being like I'd never done stand-up but I kind of, like, just made up a bunch of jokes in my apartment, and then I went in, and I got, like, a bunch of callbacks for that, so I think it was one of those things where, and also, like, I had, like, gone to meetings and auditions with, like, agents and stuff, and people, like, I remember I had a monologue with, like, and it was a monologue about cancer that I was reading to, like, an agent, and they stopped me in the middle, and they went, but you're funny, right? Like, you're funny, that's what you are, and I was like, I don't, I guess. (laughs) So I think it was one of those things that people kind of kept, Circling back to me. And also, I feel like because I have a list, I'm hard to take seriously. So I
1: don't know. Oh. So do you think having a list, that's very, that's very interesting that you say that. Uh, do, do you ever think, or have you ever felt that that's held you back, or have you used it to an advantage?
0: I mean, it's one of those things where, like, I have a speech impediment. I went through years of speech therapy for it. I actually had, like, casting director who was like the head of casting for a network tell me that a lot of people won't tell me but they won't cast me in things because of my list so i don't know i feel like it's definitely part of like i just i feel like a lot of comedians like we lo- we talk a lot stranger than we look like even like maria bamford like you don't expect her voice to come out of her just from looking at her mm-hmm. and i think that like with me i do have definitely like a weird sounding voice and like having a speech impediment doesn't help I think maybe me having a speech impediment definitely influenced my personality, I think more than like it benefited or negatively affected my comedy career if you want to call it a career,
1: I don't know. <laughs> it is a career. I mean it's what you do. And this is why yeah, it's I'm true. Very I, it's, true. <laughs> it's why I'm having you on the show cuz you're a comedian. So yeah, I would call it a career. Uh, but <laughs> so for you uh, growing up um when you were first discovering that, hey, I, you know, like you said, oh, I guess I stand-up is an option. I guess I am kind of funny. Were you met with support by people when you first started venturing into it? Or was there a little backlash to you trying to become a comedian?
0: I mean, I didn't start coming... To, like, I started... When I was growing up, I was just kind of like a funny person and, like, people were always just, like, wanted to, like, have me joke around or whatever. Um... But overall, like, my family and my friends were always so overwhelming. I mean, I have, like, kind of, like, a dream mom who's just so supportive. And, like, I I play in a basketball team as as an adult. I just joined. And my mom, like, went to our first game. Like, my mom is, like, above and beyond supportive. I've had comedy shows where, like, my entire family will come out. And, yeah, I've been met with nothing but, like, a lot of support. Like, my, I could make my bread bad and my mom would still be proud of me. And uh, So I've been incredibly fortunate in that respect. Mm-hmm. So I feel like um, if there was any resistance, it was probably insecurities that are screaming inside my head, <laughs> like all comedians.
1: <laughs> so how did you end up, how did you, tell me, take me through that transition of how and why you left Canada for LA.
0: Well, I knew that I wanted to, well, I saw. Like I started stand up in LA. I wanted to move out of Winnipeg and out of Canada just as soon as I could. And so I started saving money. I was working like three jobs and over one summer I saved like a bunch of money, like $10,000 in one summer. And I was just kind of like, I'm going to move to LA and my mom was like, fine, I'll come and help you set up. And so we, I just moved. I graduated from high school and then a few months later I was like, I've moved and I was in the States and, um, and it was one of those things that just kind of like, I look back on it now and I'm like, what a fucking crazy thing for me to do. <laughs> and What a fucking crazy thing for my mom to like, come and just support me and do that move with me to help me send ended up like living here and like, you know, changed everything in my family's life, my parents. Life. Like, it's just crazy when I look back at it, like that I did that, but it is one of those things that I always wanted to do ever since I was a little girl, I have a little piece of paper from a friend when I was like like 11 years old, that like when we become 18, we will move to Los Angeles to become actors. Initially, I think I moved out to LA more for acting than I ever did for stand-up. Stand-up was something that kind of just like, I felt I like came to. Like I like I think I knew I wanted to try, but was too afraid for many years. Mm-hmm. And then when I was out in LA, I was just like, I'm just gonna try it. because there's so many, you know what I mean? There's such an opportunity. Do it. And also, before I started doing stand up, I would go to a lot of shows at like, improv and like Maria Bamford, Natasha Legere, and Melinda Hill. He's doing a show called Tiger Lily, and I used to go to that all the time, just like as a fan, not even thinking that I was doing stand up, but just like loving to be around it. Mm-hmm. i was a huge Sarah Silverman fan too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, how can you go wrong, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, ve- it's very hard. So, you, you you went to LA to pursue acting. When was the first time that you tried stand-up after how long of being in L.A.? I
0: was probably in L.A. for like 2 three, I think like two-ish years and I'd come out of like a bad breakup and a bad breakup that made me like go back to school and start stand-up. Um, it, was, it was one of those things where I wanted to be stand-up for so long and then I'm just like fuck it, I'm just gonna do it. And then when I started doing stand-up, like, my first few years, I wasn't one of those comedians who really knew what I was doing. Like, those comedians who I meet who are, like, their first few years and are doing mics every night and start a show, like, I was that. I was in the comic who did stand maybe, like, once or twice, like, a, a month. And then I would do the same five minutes over and over again. Like, I didn't really know what I was doing, <laughs> but I feel like I was getting good enough feedback at open mics to continue, if that makes sense. Like, I wasn't, like, I'm sure I wasn't doing that well, but I wasn't completely bombing. Um, and then it wasn't until I got the opportunity, I had auditioned again for the CBS Showcase, and then they'd ask me if I wanted to be a writer for that year. And so that was the first time I was surrounded by people who were, like, professional comedians, you know? Mm-hmm. And I remember um, I'd, uh, me and this other person was around this comic who was bigger, and we asked them, how they got to where they were. And he was like, "I last year I did 410 shows.
1: Whoa. And then after
0: that, I was like, okay, so this is what you have, you to have to do with this every day.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that's when I, think I switched my mentality to be more of like a real comic than mm-hmm. like someone who does open mics occasionally.
1: Mm-hmm. So you were talking about like being with other comedians and other comedians helping you and helping you, you know, make decisions are comedians in Los Angeles collaborative. Do you guys work together and help each other?
0: I think comedians in LA, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're collaborative. I think it's very much, there's definitely like a camaraderie that you do feel and kind of people do form like clicks or whatever, like in high school. Um, and, but there is definitely a sense of community. Um, a lot of people will talk shit, I feel like, on any comedy scene, like LA's comedy scene. Um, but I do think that there is kind of like a weird kinship when, like when you know a comedian is like in it, you know what I mean? I feel like we're all, when we first see them on the scene, we're like, okay, well, like we'll see how long it last. And then when they kind of show that they've been around for a long, I feel like, Kind of let them into the fold, or they become like your buddy. I don't necessarily like there's definitely certain comedians who I'm friends with. I feel like everyone it's important to have like good friends, comics who are like good friends. Who you can kind of run bits together, or like maybe you'll hit a bunch of mics together. Um, but on the whole, I say it's like there's a sense of community, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily collaborative, or at least I don't know what I am necessarily with other comedians, you know what I mean? Like, I have. Definitely a group of friends um, who do stand-up and who, like, will run bits with and will go to mics with. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's necessarily collaborative, um, but there is a sense of community and, and a camaraderie, definitely.
1: Is, is it extremely competitive? Because I know, like, you know, in L.A., that's where all the celebrities are, it's where all the famous people are. Is it more competitive than, say, the stand-up scene in, like, Denver or Atlanta or Boston? I, since I've only
0: really been part of the LA scene, I don't know what it'd be like to be part of another scene, but I don't think like, when I think of stand up, I've never really thought of anything as being really competitive. I feel like that's kind of like people's own perceptions. You know what I mean? If you're not a competitive, like there's definitely, I feel like a healthy amount of maybe like, oh, like for me personally, I'm not a competitive person in that way necessarily, or at like, least I like to hope, Though, but I like to look at like other people who are doing well and be like oh fuck this person's doing really well and I'm friends with them you know I kind of look at it like there is a tie that will raise all boats and like the longer that you're in stand-up the more that you just see people getting more opportunities and the more opportunities that are presented to you yourself mm-hmm. so I don't think it's of it as like competitiveness is more just kind of like there's room for everyone because everyone's voice is so different you know what I mean like There's opportunity, like if you're gonna have an opportunity as a comedian, it's kind of like, and get someone gets something over you. It's like, I always look at it as like good for them, and that means that I'm in good company. I think that's a healthier way to look at it than maybe being like jealous, because you should, like, if you use other people as a measuring stick, you're just like never gonna be happy. And it's kind of, um, I like to think of like reasons to be like happy and proud of yourself now rather than later, because it's like, I don't know. You can never know when you're like, in you know, I'm always aware of my own mortality. And so I just feel like, I don't think of LA as being competitive, but that's my own view. You know what I mean? I feel like other people who you ask could be like, yes, it's very competitive. But I've also been like, instead of long enough and and have like a very weird relationship with it, that I don't feel competitive because my first few years of comedy, I was kind of like dilly-dallying. I didn't like, I did so few shows in my first years. Of stand-up, I look back at it, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't know that you were supposed to ask for shows. So maybe other people are more competitive. I just don't think of myself as that, though. I feel like that's, I don't know, that's just how I view myself Mm -hmm. in being competitive. I feel like it can be competitive, but it's only when you put yourself in the line of being competitive with other comedians that that happens, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. How many years ago did you uh, start stand-up?
0: Like seven or eight years ago. I'm gonna
1: say it's closer to eight now. Wow, eight so years.
0: So I've been in it for a while. Almost a say. decade.
1: You're almost a decade comedian. I mean, we don't
0: have to say that out loud to anyone.
1: Okay. But yeah. <laughs> I'll just don't worry. I'll just edit out that whole part. <laughs> don't worry. No one'll ever know. So I want you to take me back. Um and I love asking stand-ups this question because it's always so different. Yeah. Uh, do you remember your your very first show?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I did my first show. Um it was at the Comedy Union and I had done the like, Ring shows. Um, and my mom came out and I'm like, "I did well. I still have like a tape of it and I used that tape for my very first show for like a while. You know what I mean? Mm. Um and and like I had people who even reached out to me who like saw my stand up online from that first show and like it emailed me about it. So it wasn't completely awful, but I look at it and I'm like, oh, this is so dated. Yeah. Like some of the jokes, you know, like I talk about catch a predator. Um, yeah. But I do have my first show and I remember it, and I remember like I wore a dress and I had like straight across bangs, and it was just like I remember having a lot of fun on stage, mm-hmm. um, but also being very nervous. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was definitely. I feel like you either, either in the beginning, have enough kind of positive reinforcement that you continue doing it, or you kind of just like grit your teeth and fight through how horrible it was. And I was lucky enough to have like, I don't know, some positive reinforcement, but just like in, in, in the first few years, but then I just had like nothing happen for many years, if that makes sense.
1: You know what I mean? Right, right. And so if that that was the first time, you know, you performed, it went super well. Tell me about the first time you performed and you bombed, and tell me how you mentally overcame that and recovered.
0: So I was probably, I had gone to this, there's this club that I used to go to a lot for open mics called the Haha ha, um, mm-hmm. in North Hollywood. I don't really go to it, it's still around. Um, and it's just like a weird room. I, I feel like my first bomb probably happened there. I feel like I don't even remember specifically what it is. Excuse me, sorry, I, But I do remember, I did bomb a lot. Don't get me wrong, I bombed pretty badly. Um, from, I feel like it was just more like, when I bomb now I feel like it's the exact same feeling you're just kind of like am I funny why am I doing this and you just have to get to the next set that's my mindset is kind of like just get to the next set and you'll be fine Mm. you'll find something in there you know what I mean gotta like you have to just kind of like get through all the garbage to get to the good stuff you know what I mean it's like a muscle it's like anything it's like I feel like that's always my mindset. I have a very, I've been like reading so much philosophy lately and like Zen and Taoism and whatever. Um, about just kind of like, maybe it's because of the Jerry channeling thing too, but that, I mean, even before that, I was getting really into philosophy in terms of just kind of like, you have to just really put yourself in a mindset where you kind of detach a bit from your own self worth with certain shows you did. I recently had a show maybe a few weeks ago where in the middle of the show, and it was kind of like an important show that I was doing. And I forgot a joke, and I I sat on stage, and I'm like, I don't remember my joke. And that felt awful. And then went backstage, and I lay on the floor for about 10 minutes. I just was, like, lying on the floor. There were comedians coming in and out of the backstage area. And I was just, like, lying face down on the floor, because I'm like, that's how I felt. And um, I'm I'm, still, like, cringe thinking about forgetting this joke on stage, because I was having... Like kind of like uh, like a decent set. I remember, like, okay, all right. And then like I, I got in my head about it, and then I forgot my joke. And my friends who were in the audience were even like, I wanted to shout out what your bit was to you because we all you knew it. Like you you know you all know your friend's
1: joke,
0: <laughs> but you kind of just have to be like, okay, that happened, and the next one will be better, I hope. Mm-hmm. Or just kind of like sometimes I just look at it as like. If you get out all the bad stuff, it's like popping a zit, you know what I mean? you got to like, or like cleaning your room, it's going to get really messy before anything good happens. Like you just have to take all the shit out of your dresser before you like can clean it up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just going to take a while sometimes to get to stuff that you like. And sometimes it can be months. I've definitely gone months where I felt unfunny, but I still just kind of just show up and do mics anyways. You know what I mean? You kind of have to just go to the news.
1: I think... Uh that was a very graphic metaphor, but yet it carried your point very well. <laughs> very well. I know I understand it exactly now. Um so you were saying, you know, you go months, months sometimes with feeling not funny. Are there moments Honestly uh, uh, go oh go ahead? No, no, it's like, it's like finish finish
0: your thought.
1: Well I was I was just gonna say like are there is there ever a moment where you think to yourself, okay, this is the, this is the end. I've, I've peaked in stand-up. This is the end. I'm moving on. I mean,
0: is- I haven't felt funny. I haven't felt like I have had anything original or funny to say since last April. <laughs> so I've been an entire year being like, am I funny? I hate all my jokes. Am I a hack? Um, <laughs> and so, like, but then it's just kind of like, everything's kind of for while. I'm like, this is what I do now. So I can't necessarily <laughs> just bow out. And I just have to trust that eventually, like, the feeling of being funny will return. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like, empirically, I think that, like, yeah, I can go on a show and do okay. Because they're like, I'll tell a joke and people will, like, laugh. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel funny. I think <laughs> I'm t- I'm so tired of these jokes. I'm tired of these jokes. I'm embarrassed if, like, one of my friends did the audience or the people in the audience they know because they're like oh just like she's still telling these jokes anything <laughs> new? but I mean that's just all like shit messing in your head you know what I mean like what are you gonna do
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> like I definitely just like yeah I haven't felt funny in months I, I feel like I hate all my material that I'm writing and that I have written mm-hmm. and I hope that I'll get over that one day and I like to write something that's like I feel like groundbreaking or something but, not, but I don't see that <laughs> happening <laughs> yeah just <Christine Cruz. laughs> but hopefully in the distant future it will come about like I don't know you just at some point it's just not even a you know you just you just do it because it's like what you do at some point, like I feel like I do love stand up and it's it's just one of those things where I just don't know if stand up loves me
1: <laughs> mm. yeah i mean wow that w- that was deep, christine. That was that that was deep. Wow. Um, I I imagine that quote uh, in like a framed picture uh, next to a waterfall in a guidance counselor's office because that that was very deep. So, I mean, wow. I mean, to be stuck in a rut for like that long, I can't even imagine that. But it seems like you know you're you're trying to battle through it, trying to work through it. On average, like watching your friends um, do stand up. And and for you personally, how often do comedians produce new material? Are they doing new sets almost every week or every month? Or how often is new stuff coming in?
0: Well, it's, I mean, every week or so, like, my friends, or sometimes every day. Like, it depends. I wouldn't say there's necessarily a specific amount every month. But, like, I'll definitely hear my friends working or trying new stuff that they're slowly trying to incorporate into their material. I say like every few... Every week or so maybe they have a new bit that they see them trying to kick around and Mm -hmm. I mean I do the same. I'm just like, whether it's good or not, that's you know, another thing. (laughs) (laughs) But you can definitely see when there's an idea, you know what I mean, that just needs to be polished a little bit. And you can feel it in your sense or like, oh, this is a tiny bit that I can attach to like a larger bit or like, Oh, here's a new tag for an old bit, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like you go to enough mics, like that's why it's so important to just Keep going because it's like it forces you to like look at your jokes and re-examine them and think about stand up and like watch other comedians and like and so that I think that forces you to like make new write new material like just the shame of having to the same jokes over and over at Mike's, um is enough to make me want to write new material.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of writing new material, let's talk about your writing process. Um, so, are you the type of person who will write down just topics and then riff on them at an open mic, or are you the type of person who will write a set word for word and script it all out?
0: Oh, I definitely like will just think of something like a like, and then I'll write down like one word from it. Like you know, like my phone is just filled with like lists of like single words that are kind of like thoughts, like I don't know, like turtle or like photograph. <laughs> So I'm not one of those people who like, I kind of write on stage, like I'll think of the thought that I think is funny, then I'll go on stage and see if it's like worth worth doing and then I tend to worry about the same every time. Like, I have an idea of how to word it, but I'm not someone who, like, types it all up, definitely. That's not my style.
1: Oh, I see. I but see. I do,
0: I see people who do that, and I'm like, I wish I had that kind of work ethic. Yeah. Maybe it would help my stand-up. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> yeah. not.
1: Is your stand-up based a lot about your personal life? Or are you doing a lot of observational humor? Uh, what's your style?
0: It's a mixture of all of it. It's really just kind of, like, if I think some, if like a thought comes to me, and I'm like, "Oh, that's funny," or like sometimes it will be like a phrase, and I'll be like, "That's funny," and then a lot of times it'll be funny just to me, but I'll also keep trying it as open mic. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so it's a mixture of everything, you know, of like stuff that I'm going through in my life, or like analogies. Like I'm a big like this is like that. Like I love analogies, and metaphors, and similes. Like that's kind of like my thing. Mm. What I like to do in stand up, or mm-hmm. like at least in conversation, what I want to do more in stand up. But I feel like my style is it's a bit of all of that. I wouldn't say it's one or the other, it's kind of everything.
1: Do you remember the first joke you ever wrote? Yeah. When...
0: Well, I, the funny thing is, it's like I remember the first time I made people laugh, like go, went out of my way to make people laugh. But the first joke that I like wrote specifically was like a joke about. So when I was eight, when I was like in my early twenties, I looked really young. Like I still look younger than my age. And so it was just like a joke about like, um, it was a To to Catch a Predator model. Like it was just like, hey guys, I start the show off and be like, hey guys, this is my opener. Like, hey guys, I just got a call back for a pretty big show on NBC. And they'd clap and they'd be like, thank you. To Catch a Predator, (laughs) 5 Costa Mesa. And then I'm like, and I'll give you a little appetizer example of what I did in the audition. And then I would go through the audition and be like, and I don't know if you've ever seen The Catch a Predator, but the decoys are always like, hey, I just made some lemonade. Or, but I'd like say things ridiculous like, hey, I've just seeing how many gum balls I can fit into my mouth hole. Come on, I've even got a see.
1: <laughs> That's funny. That's very Thanks. funny. Wow. It, Thank you. It's the, very high concept
0: for like a very first show. It night. is. So that was one of my first bits I've ever wrote.
1: It's, uh, it's funny too because. I like asking stand-up comedians that question. And the majority of them, the the answer is like, oh, it's this stupid joke that I wrote. And then they'll like say it and it's not that funny. And they're like, but I know it's not funny. I've gotten better. But like yours was hilarious. <laughs> like that was oh, very yeah. funny. for your first joke, that man, you started off strong. Um, so if that was your yeah, first happened? if that was your <laughs> first joke uh, that you ever wrote, what was the first time that you made people laugh?
0: It was when I was in, this is like, I wrote, this is the like, essay I wrote to get into college. It was like the first time I ever made people laugh. It was when I was four years old in preschool, in nursery school, and someone had brought cake into class, and then I shoved my face in the cake, it got frosting all over it, got a huge laugh, um, and then I got in trouble, I had to go wash the <laughs> cake off my face.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: I feel like if I did that for a bunch of children now, it would still kill yeah true (laughs) can't go wrong with that kind of humor but yeah that was the very first time I ever kind of went out of my way to make people laugh also I think it's interesting because I didn't talk for a very long time I didn't talk till I was like four years old wow and so I wonder how much of and I always like to think that like the difference between comedians and normal people is that comedians just see take things that normal people see and we like hold it a little longer and you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that's why when you hear people be like oh my god that's so true or like i think that all the time but they don't but like it's just because we take things and we're like oh we hold it a little longer than most people and that's where we come up with like what's the deal with this? because we think about things more and i think about like how i probably spent Time as a child, maybe observing things when I was very little, so maybe that's why I was drawn to stand up eventually. You
1: know, mm-hmm. I totally agree with you, and I it's weird because I was just talking with a friend about um, finding humor in our lives because they they were saying to me how you know, they, they wanna tell better stories and they wanna be funnier. And I'm like, well there's humor everywhere. You just have to find it. So that goes along yeah. with what you were saying, where it's like you were observing so much that it I guess in your head you started picking out the little funny things and little nuances of, oh, if I shove my face into cake, people laugh. So it's the surprise. So surprises make people laugh. And then that even connects to your first joke where, you know, you lead people one way, but you surprise them. Yeah. So, yeah. I
0: really get, I even think about, like, Hannibal Buress and, like, that joke about apple juice. Like, that's, (laughs) right. you know what I mean? That's, that's very, like, it seems like it's such a a mundane story, but he makes it so funny because he kind of, like, layers it on with, like, the thoughts that are going through his head and it's, like, something, that's a perfect example of a comedian taking something and just, like, holding it longer than a little, like, a normal person and inspecting it and, like, asking different questions than maybe a normal person would ask if that's Situation, you know? Right.
1: Yeah. Totally. I mean, yeah. It's it, it's finding every little bit of humor in a very mo- in a very regular mundane situation, and that's what sets yeah. comedians apart from from regular folk. You, you know, you know, what I mean? Yeah. I the normies. Yeah. The normies. Totally. So I know you've gotten the opportunity to open um, for two notable, co- uh, may, maybe more, but I know two. Um, yeah what was that like? And talk about which one you liked better. I'll let you lead this
0: for Marie, for Maria and Jackie, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Well, it was the same show, but for Maria, it was, it was like, just everything surrounding that situation was so magical. I was like the way she asked me, I was performing. It was like at an outdoor, it was an outdoor show in like December, November at a hot dog stand. And there were probably less than 10 people in the audience. And I did my set and Maria was like in the audience. I remember being like, I just want to like hear her laugh. And I even have like a recording of it. And I can hear her laugh when I listen to it back. And so then I, I got next door to Taco Bell to get like a hot chocolate because it was not sure it was cold. And she came up to me and she's like, hey, are you available to open for me on this day? And I was like, oh um, yeah. <laughs> I had seen Maria around a bunch, but I had never gone up to her because I like, didn't want to bother her. You know what I mean? And be like annoying like fangirling comedian even though i'm sure she doesn't mind because she's such a nice person but um when it was just kind of like it was the the show that i opened for her was like a theater it was the first theater i'd ever performed in and it was like a thousand people and maria and jackie like i was backstage with them and they were both so kind it was unbelievable like they, I, you always hear the phrase like "Don't meet your heroes unless they're Maria Bamford," because then she will like exceed all expectations of like how nice she is, how she treats you. She know, you know, like, I got, like I was getting paid to open for my like one of my heroes, and also she like paid me more than she said she was gonna pay me, and like, and she does this thing before she brings you on, and she she'll give you your check, and she'll be like, "This is how much you're getting paid. This is how much Jackie's getting paid." how much I'm getting paid and she's like you need to know what to aspire to and that's why I tell people that like that alone like I don't know who or like how many other comedians if any other comedians are even doing that because it it is definitely one of those questions of like you don't know how much like someone's doing getting like opening like performing stand-up in the theater you know what I mean and so it was like the first time it ever it was the large it was it was the largest amount of money had ever been paid to do stand-up I think as, no I've been paid more since then but like for that one time you know and it was like and getting to hear her call me on stage was amazing her audience was so fucking kind And watching her do stand-up it was from like the from like the wings of the theater it was a dream Mm -hmm. And then seeing how she interacted with her fans afterwards and like she like took pictures with everyone, everyone formed a line, got to meet her. She is kind of like the ideal of like how you want to be as the comedian, as the person. She's just so kind. I have nothing but the kindest words to say about Maria. (laughs) And also Jackie, just because they're both so... I couldn't think of a more like kind of like supportive person to like kind of just to even open for even that one time it was unbelievable mm-hmm. I like when I got home from that entire trip I like wept because it was so it was one of those things where she was so kind I'd looked to her for so many years I'd seen her so many times I'd watched like w- when I told my mom that Maria Bamford had asked me to open for her my mom was like you're lying because I like had showed my mom so many clips of Maria I felt like If I'm like bored or whatever, like with friends, I'll like put on Maria Bamford stand up all the time. Like, um, so many of my friends can attest to it. So, just having the opportunity open for her was just, it was such a dream come true. And she was so kind. So, it was just like a beautiful experience that I got to have.
1: So, you would, would, I mean, I feel like, and you've mentioned her a lot, at the beginning of the interview especially, so I had a feeling, I had a feeling that the story would be something very very heartfelt, very warming, Um, not anything like she was a jerk to me, because you've mentioned her in such, you know, high regards. So would you say, mm -hmm. uh, well, would you say she overall is, like, the person that you aspire to be, comedy-wise?
0: I think ourselves are very different. I think, I don't know who I aspire to be in terms of, like, style or or um or just kind of like the delivery i don't know i think i just kind of want to like hopefully have my own kind of thing going on but definitely like her career is a, like an amazing career like, i think i'd be so lucky to have even um, like a fraction of what she's had you know like she's had you know her own series she has special so many specials on netflix you know she's able to tour she Like that is definitely like someone whose career who I, I look up to, but other comedians as well. I think Maria has had a very beautiful career and she has so much control over everything that she does. Um, and she's done everything so different. You know, like even her specials, you watch her specials and you're like, who other, who else's specials are like this? This It's insane. It's her parents in her living room or just tiny audiences around LA. Um, She's definitely someone who I look up to. I don't know. I wouldn't say that I necessarily would aspire to her style. Not because I don't think it's amazing. I think she's hilarious. But just, like, I'm so different from her, I think, in terms of style. Because she, you know, she has, like, voices and stuff she does. And I don't know if that's necessarily, like, I'm able to see any voices <laughs> or anything mm-hmm. like that.
1: Mm-hmm. So do you still stay in contact with her and she helps you in your comedy career?
0: I, I mean, I, I see her every now and then. But it's one of those things where I'm one of those people who's very, like, self-conscious and I don't want to, like, overstep my boundaries or anything. So I, if I see her, you know, we definitely do say hello. But it's, she's not necessarily, we're not, like, emailing back and forth. I do have other comedians who are bigger than me who have definitely, like, you know, sat me down for lunch or had conversations with me and helped me not necessarily make career decisions, but just kind of lend advice whenever mm. I needed it.
1: Gotcha. And I've
0: definitely cherished those relationships.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you said you've been doing stand-up for eight years, so you're you're pretty established. Uh, How difficult was it for you, did you find, um, when you made the jump to get an agent or a manager?
0: I mean, I don't think—I would say to any comedian, like, don't worry about any of that. Like like my agent found me my my, like and he's not even like a com I don't even have like comedy representation I kind of like all the shows I get um I guess I'm on my own like I get them from people reaching out to me um very like and so like my agent is kind of more for acting um and they found me at like a show a stand-up show what I would say to anyone though interested in getting an agent or manager is don't worry about getting good and eventually the right people will find you. It's definitely, like if you're gonna do an interesting show, definitely be conscious of it. But like, if you just just do shows, just do shows, be nice to people, get good, like have, do your craft over and over and over and over again. Like that's the thing that you can control is how much you're doing it and how much you're improving. You can not control whether someone likes you or not, whether someone wants to represent you or not. Um, So don't worry about that because like when you are ready, the right people will find you. It's at least what I, is what I hope um, is true. I mean, you know, I, I've had definitely like meetings with other people and some of them have led nowhere. A lot of times they will, but you at least know that when you do have those meetings that like at least the right people are seeing you, but just be like, if you keep working and doing stand up and getting better people, you may not think are noticing, but they are noticing. You may not think that there's industry in the room, but sometimes there is. Like, I've had meetings from, like, shows in rooms that I didn't expect. there were tiny, like, you know, whatever. Like, the weirdest route shows or where people are maybe watching. But just, like, get good at denim, Don't worry about all that stuff because eventually that will come. I think that maybe if you're in a smaller town or a smaller circuit than, like, LA, New York, then, yeah, just get good just get good like let's do anything you can control <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. everything
0: else will come when you're, you know when you're ready
1: mm-hmm. christine you keep spitting wisdom on this show uh it's just left and right first first uh, it was the zit metaphor and now you're telling people to get good it's it's all you're saying all very wise things i love hearing it so for you for you christine what is your ultimate goal what's the ultimate dream for you
0: um I think I want to, like, definitely keep doing stand-up and eventually have, like... I don't know, it'd be cool to have, like, a special Netflix or, like, um, Comedy Central or something, but I don't know how many years away that is, touring some, and then just, like, do more stuff with acting and, like, creating my own stuff and, like, maybe write something, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of goals, but I just kind of... um I don't know. It just kind of it's gonna an ebb and flow. Like I don't have any expectations for anything, you know. I don't feel entitled to anything, but I just um, I just hope that I keep get keep getting to do stand up and get to a place where I I'm like you know what maybe you're not not funny.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and
0: that's my goal is to feel funny again.
1: And I'm excited uh, for you too. When when I can. Uh, turn on the Grammys and I can find out that you're hosting it. (laughs) I mean, that'll be, that'll be tremendous.
0: That that would be definitely an amazing dream to be able to host an award show. That's so like specific and weird, but it's definitely, (laughs) yeah, that would be amazing.
1: I like it. And I would even re-release your episode for it. (laughs) <laughs> that's how much, that's how supportive I am. So oh. I, I, I do have one last question for you. Uh, it's a question yeah. I ask all my guests, um, and the answers vary. But, and you've given me uh, so much, I mean, really anything that you've said so far the show you could use again here. But my question for you is, um, if, if there is someone who eventually wants to grow up and be in your shoes, um, what piece of advice would you give them?
0: I uh, like as a stand-up you mean, or just kind of like:
1: Just however, however you take that question, it is yours to answer, whatever you'd like to say.
0: Um I guess I would say, um, get to figure out who you are, um, create a life for yourself that you love and then level the, the decisions you make. That's kind of a very niche thing. Like, the idea of, like, a more fati. Like, you know what I mean? Like, to love your fate, create a life for yourself that you, like, want to live over and over, the good and the bad. Um, um, yeah, just kind of, like, and also, like, be nice to other people and be grateful and don't let your head get too big and, like, just work hard. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, those are the things. And also, life is suffering and so don't expect to suffer. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I guess that's a very, like, weird philosophically zen-ish take to it but like one of the first things of Buddha is like life is suffering so just kind of like there'll be good things and bad things but just kind of like you'll be okay through all of it
1: mm-hmm. yeah that's, that, that's very <laughs> that true very that's very true That was uh, that, that is correct you had the right answer on that question excellent work um, now Christine if people want to see you perform or follow your career what are ways that they can follow you or uh, see you
0: Oh, well, I'm actually going to be going across America. Well, I'm going to be like in Boston. Then I'm going to be in New York. Then I'm going, I'm doing a little bit of a tour, I guess. I'm doing like, I'm going to be in a bunch of different cities. And they can check out my dates on my Instagram, which is Christine Med, or also my website, com, or on Twitter, at Christy Med. Um, I should be, I think I'm gonna. I'm going to be on HBO Latino in the summer doing stand-up. That's supposed to be coming out in the summer. I don't know when. They said it was supposed to be large, for them. they got pushed back. Um, so I should just be like, like I'm always going to be doing stand-up around LA. So if you're in LA, just probably a bunch of dates you can see me. But I'm also going to be in Boston for the Women in Comedy Festival. I'm going to be in New York doing a few dates. And then I'm going to be in what is that state? Virginia? I'm doing a few dates in Virginia. Then I'm going to be Atlanta for Laughing Skull. And then I'm going to be opening for someone in El Paso. And then I think I'm also doing a date in like somewhere in Tennessee. I think it's Ash- Nashville. I'm doing Nashville. A date in Nashville. And so they can definitely check out any of those. They can like DM me here on Instagram if you want more details for any of those dates. Or you can check out my website, and um, there's definitely more information there.
1: That's awesome. Well, I'm very excited for you to go travel the the East Coast, I guess, and Texas uh, to yeah. explore. You know, that's going to be super cool and good for you going out on your your little tour. That's going to be so much fun, and I'm excited to hear about it.
0: I'm
1: excited to hear about it. I'm excited <laughs> to see. Hopefully it hopefully goes well. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, well, Christine, thank you again for being on the show. I had a blast talking to you.
0: Thanks for having
1: me. Yeah, and of course. And to anybody listening, remember, you can listen to more episodes at our website at www.talkinglatenight.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Talking Late Night, and you can follow us on iTunes and download some of our shows at Talking Late Night. So thanks again to Christine for coming on the show. Uh, It was a blast talking to her. Uh, Thank to you for listening, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.